Hi everyone, it's Caleb, and I'm so excited that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on The Learner's Corner. And today, my guest is Makado Fujimura, and he has recently authored uh, this book called Art and Faith, uh, Theology of Making. And uh, and the forward to his book is by N.T. Wright, which if you know uh, N.T. Wright is absolutely incredible. And I'm so excited to bring you this conversation Today. But before that, I do want to give you a little bit of background on Mikado. Mikado is an artist whose recent exhibitions in New York and Asia have been featured in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and other leading publications. He is also an award-winning author and the founder of I Am Culture Care and the Fujimura Institute and the co-founder of Kitsunji, Kitsuji. I, I probably got that wrong. I'm not very good at pronunciations, but the Kensuji Academy, and he has served on the National Council, uh, the National Council Council on the Arts. And I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. Mikado is someone that I actually became familiar with a couple of years ago, and I'm really excited to just bring our conversation uh, to you on the podcast today. And so I'm gonna we're gonna jump into that conversation here in just a minute. But I do want to give a couple of quick thank yous. I want to say thanks to Sam, at Sam Massey, and Garrett Oler for helping make the podcast sound incredible through the music and through the through the editing of the podcast as well. Super thankful for the both of you and uh, just how you help make the, the podcast just sound even better and sound awesome. So thanks to the both of them. Um, and also, if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. I want to tell you a little bit about the podcast. You know, really here at the Learner's Corner, we want to create a safe place to have dangerous conversations because you've probably uh, run into people to where you're like, man, I'm not sure I can bring up the certain subject or, um, or you're not comfortable talking about certain things with certain people. Well, here on The Learner's Corner, we really want to create a place, create an environment to where we can have those conversations and not be afraid of judgment, not be afraid of condemnation, because ultimately what we believe here is that we can learn from anyone and everyone from anything and from everything. And that's what we want to do here, not only on this episode, but just all throughout The Learner's Corner as well. And so I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. And without any further wait, here's my conversation with Makado Fujimura. Well, Makado, I'm so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today to talk about your brand new book, Art and Faith. Yes, uh, great. Uh, it's great to be here. And just as we get started, anytime that uh, that I have the privilege of talking with someone, especially someone who has released uh, so much art, you know, as you have, um, I always love hearing the the story behind what made someone want to put this piece of art or put this work out into the world. <laughs> and so I'm just curious uh, to just kind of hear what was the event or series of events that led you want to. Uh, want to write this book? So this book actually is my life work. I, I've been um, basically writing it since um, uh, I would say 30 years ago when, you know, when I began to understand the biblical text as, as a key source of where my art flows out of or my life uh, depended on. And uh, and as an artist, um, I, you know, I, I go into reading the Bible as a text and I resonated so much with, with uh, God's, um, God as a creator. And now we talk, about that, you know, God is the creator, and and if you knew nothing about God except Genesis one, that's what you will conclude. Um, and I kept on reading the Bible, and and I kept on discovering all these facets of creativity and imagination that forged, um, you know, God's people. When Jesus came, he spoke in parables. Um, Psalms are all all poetry, which is art art form. And then you know you have the epistles and and then um, and these letters, but it all flows into new creation. And and so I, I even initially I, I didn't know uh, much about theology or 
or the Bible, I, I began to connect with um, some of the prophets' visions, um, you know, psalmist's uh, cries. They, they, they seem very much uh, connected to, um, to the arts. And, and so that's, that's how I began to respond. And, and, and I would often lecture or, or teach um, in the church uh, about the arts. And I would note these observations that I had. And initially I thought, you know, well, I'm reading the Bible this way because I'm an artist and, um, you know, a plumber will read it like a plumbing book, you know. But, but then uh, more recently, about, I would say about 10 years ago, I began to really sense that, no, it's not because I'm an artist that I'm reading the Bible this way. It's because God is the artist, the mm-hmm. artist, the only true artist. And and so I began to talk about this. And, and uh, even at that point, I had significant amount written. My pre- previous book, Culture Care, was an attempt to draw out these principles, but I was doing it in public sphere. So, I, you know, the audience may not be Christians. So I was trying to speak in uh, general terms about cultural advocacy, but then um, I, I wrote Theology of Making as a backdrop to culture care for many years. And now, actually, the actual book is only one third of what I have written so far. So. <laughs> so, so you plan on continuing adding to it? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think it's inevitable because I think the conversation should grow. Um, at least uh, this is a uh, sort of a paradigm shift, if you want to call it that, and how we understand biblical text and um, how people may understand certain passages better because it, because it is written from uh, you know a creators. Uh, perspective to draw out creativity in us. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something that you said, you mentioned, you know, seeing God as an artist, which I don't think uh, many people would probably think about that, you know, mm-hmm. in first glance and everything. I'm just curious to ask, how has seeing God as an artist like impacted you in your life? Right. So I am saying that God is the artist, not yeah. an artist, because yeah, there's, there's a distinction between, um, you know, let's say, God as an artist, as opposed to God as a as a gardener, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a kind of a philosophical <laughs> presupposition they call it, yeah. but but it's it's to place that before everything else, and I'm I'm claiming that God is the only artist, really, um, uh, in 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 light of the fact that God is um, creating something out of ex you know nothing ex nihilo. And and to, to be able to define light, you know, colors and and everything that we know about physics. Um, so God is pre-existing, and therefore God is uh, the only true artist in in a sense that God can create, um, you know, create molecules, create. Um, so um, having said that, you know, I understand that that may be a difficult concept for people to grasp. Um, you know, we we assume we have a certain understanding of uh, biblical God from the perspective of Christianity and, and Jewish and, um, um, you know, sources, uh, ancient texts. And, and so um, it, the word artist did not, come to be in, in a sense that we're using it uh, until really uh, modern times. So so we are talking about um, a way of communicating that that is distinctively of our, of our time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure as, as you've talked about uh, this content and even just in your work of your arts and how it mixes with your faith, I'm sure from time to time you've probably ran into some maybe some resistance about, I'm not sure that art and faith go together. I'm just curious, where, where do you think that that comes from? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, artists of Christian faith are doubly exiled. They are, first of all, exiled from the church uh, because often they, are, they tend to be misunderstood in what they're doing. They, uh, artists tend to be in the borderlands and uh, exploring possibilities of the new. Um, and so they don't necessarily fit into the um, conventional way of, uh, you know, seeing things or 
um, experiencing things. So they 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 tend to uh, be alienated from uh, typical church culture, mm-hmm. and then uh, they're also exiled from the world. They're exiled from uh, you know the arts communities because they are Christians and they believe in um, you know they, they they believe in ethics and they believe in beauty and they believe in all these things that the world has essentially rejected as um, up to recent time. Um, and so, you know, you're used to being an exile. That, I think that's a good thing. And I, I, I think that allows us to have a certain perspective about uh, biblical voice, uh, especially the voices of prophets, uh, Jesus himself, uh, who um, tend to talk about be, being a border stalker or being out, out of the tribal norms or, you know, being um, rejected by his own people. And um, artists understand that very well. Um, and so I, I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing, but, but it, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it, the enmity there uh, come, comes really from um, creation, from Eden um, itself, because you are alienated from your own self in a way uh, after the fall. You don't really have a... Um, position to articulate who you are and why you are uh, made to be uh, who you are. And, and your, your stance is always defensive. Uh, you have to fight for your own um, position. And um, it, it comes from, you know, the scarcity uh, model of the universe, uh, which is Darwinian. Mm-hmm. And and so artists are doing the opposite of that, which is to uh, create um, you know extravagant beauty in 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 the context of severe scarcity. Uh, they are people who see something um, other than just survival. Um, mm-hmm. So they they may seem odd <laughs> to a lot of people, but but I I, I would argue I, I argue in this book that uh, that's why they are essential for. Uh, understanding the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm listening to you talk and you're, you're talking about your perspective on even, even identifying with that exile mindset and even, even that, that, uh, that mindset of abundance that you're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. What, what helped you get to that place? And I'm sure, you know, like, like most of us, we struggle from day to day about yeah. maybe dealing with that. But what what helped you get to that that peace of mind that you're talking about? Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks. Um, I I don't think you ever get there. I, I think it's a constant battle. Um, you you have you always have to preach to your heart first, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but Jesus um, is very clear on this. Uh, Sermon on the Mount is all about the abundance of God in 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 the act of uh, providing mercy and and creating beauty and sensing beauty all around us. Um, you know he. Matthew 6, do not be anxious about what you eat or what you wear. And he says, look at the birds of the air, you know, consider the lilies and, uh, and then uh, seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Um, he's, uh, Jesus is invoking the abundance of creation uh, and then reminding us that he has come to usher in the new creation. So that's why things are upside down in the kingdom. Um, you know, blessed are the poor. Uh, you know, the, those who are weak, uh, those those who are weeping, uh, they will be comforted. The, those those are different values and the Darwinian survival. Uh, you know, the world that we are so used to fighting in and fighting for every inch of our turf, right, and then uh, pushing perhaps the other people aside so we can protect our family and and survive that way. But Jesus is talking about a completely other way of living, and that has to be uh, not only the core value of of the good news of the gospel, but it it also has to be how the universe, uh, the, you know, the reality of the universe is pointing to. And, and so um, artists, uh, you know, sometimes they are unintentionally so, but they are aware 
of the abundance. Otherwise, they can't face a blank canvas or you know blank page and create something. They are tapping into that new creation. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about seeing the abundance all throughout the scriptures, and I'm just wondering, is there anything else that maybe because of your your history with the arts? or um, anything that you see in the Bible that maybe the the person who is not as familiar with the arts sees? Yeah, so, you know, actually a good example of this is Eugene Peterson, right? They're writing the message, right? And and we we tend to see that as Eugene Peterson explaining the Bible in common vernacular or common uh, language. But what he was really trying to do was to bring out the poetry, inside the text of scripture. And he knew that the audience that he was at, and I, I believe it was in Kentucky or somewhere, you know, and in the South where he, he, he knew that his parishioners who uh, wouldn't, you know, respond to the word poetry, you know, uh, if he talked about poetry, they're gonna you know, not listen. So he decided to basically transliterate what he was going to say in a way that could be understood by, by the people he was uh, serving. And, and uh, you know, so these things are happening all the time, in fact. There, there, there's, even though you may not understand art, let's say, you know, the capital art, um, you, we listen to music all the time. You know, music is abstract art, um, you know, especially like classical music, jazz, or any any kind of uh, music without words, um, there it's not uh, necessarily representing something, but it, it is capturing something. Uh, fireworks, you know, it, it's it, it's the most uh, beautiful abstract art uh, there is. Uh, sunsets, you know, I mean, they, these are things that we are used to appreciating. Um, but, you know, we have certain uh, guards uh, come up when uh, we, we talk about elite arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think the Bible is the same way. I think, I think it's utterly accessible. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's written for those of us who are really willing to search deeper into our condition uh, of being a human being, fallen human being. Uh, trying to understand uh, purity of God's heart. Mm-hmm. For the person who is listening right now, and they're like, Ricardo, I, I want to gain like a greater appreciation for the arts, mm-hmm. but I just don't know where to understand. It just seems so like complex to me. What advice would you give to that person? Yeah, so consider the ladies of the field, you know, look at the birds of the air. I, I mean, they're everywhere. They're burning bushes all around us. We we, we just don't pay attention to them. Mm. Um, and the way uh, perhaps to gain access to that is, is to listen, uh, learn to listen, which the Psalms are really a fantastic entry point because the Psalmists are calling us into a deeper realm of um, experience, experience with God, but also experience with the world. Uh, Psalmists are absolutely honest about the conditions of the world. Um, and, you know, there, there are art, art forms everywhere, which from, from movies, photography to, um, you know, you name it. Uh, you know, gardening is an art form. Uh, cooking is an art form. Uh, you can look at, you know, uh, all these YouTubes, right, of, of, of a chef, uh, cooking or um, and and the, these are all examples. I mean, sports. You you can look at sports and say, well, Michael Jordan. You know, I mean, or you know, um, or any any accomplished professional player, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, they have this sense of beauty about them. How they do things is not just. Um, you know, winning, but but it's 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 doing it with with grace. It's doing it with beauty, and we appreciate that. You know, we appreciate something that happens uh, spontaneously. Uh, that when you're least ex- expecting something to happen, it seems miraculous to us, and and that that that's that's part of the uh, reality of art. Um, and, you know, I, I speak uh, like this uh, in, in front of people, you know, before the shutdown. And always there's somebody who comes up to me afterwards and say, you know, I am not an artist, 
but, and I know what's coming. I, I know they're going to be talking about their daughter who's a dancer, their mm-hmm. son, you know, who is an artist. Um, and they're trying to understand that person. If you're not an artist yourself, chances are your children will be. So, um, you know, that's that's uh, the beauty of uh, this conversation is that, you know, we can perhaps gain a perspective about um, our own, how we interact with the world, but but also about our children. If we care about our children and our communities, um, you know, the arts are fundamentally the best way to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, do you see uh, something? Because I, I, I would probably ascribe to the opinion that I think, uh, like, all that we do can probably become a form of art in some way yeah, or somehow. Um, but I don't think that is the prevailing mentality amongst right. people. And right. I'm just curious, uh, do you have any like theories or any of ideas of like, what do you think feeds the mentality of like, I'm not, I'm not an artist. What I do is not considered a form of art. Do you have any ideas right. on that? Right. So, uh, people say that all the time, you know, as a kind of a, <laughs> Uh, explanation or defense mechanism, I guess, but yeah. but it's really not true. You know, we we care about anything we care about, anything we love. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I I use this example uh, when I'm speaking to uh, high school students, and and typically, uh, you know, I, I get sometimes invited to boys' school, and I you know they're uh, I get invited into <laughs> to, you know these groups, and, you know they they probably don't care about the arts, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know why you need to study art history and music and theater and, you know, um, it's because when you fall in love, you have to be an artist, okay? You can't be an accountant. <laughs> you cannot even be a plumber unless you're dating a plumber. Um, you know, you really have to use your imagination to invite your potential partner into a world that is abundant. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed, you know. Otherwise, you're not going to have any idea what love can draw you into. And you will change as a result of it. That's, that's exactly what, what the arts are for. You know, we live in a uh, utilitarian, pragmatic world uh, where everything has to be efficient and purposeful, uh, almost machine-like. Uh, precision, but but that's not how we are um, fulfilled. You know, you, you those things may be important and they may build up your resume really well. But at the end of the day, when we are on our deathbeds, things that we remember are not how many cars and how many houses we own. It's the conversation that you had, you know, with your loved ones, with your daughter, with your son, with your uh, girlfriend, with your. Um, you know, uh, loved one that that remain with you despite the fact that it had no purpose whatsoever, right? Uh, you wasted time watching a sunset. You know, you went on a trip without any purpose. <laughs> um, those are the things that we remember, and we all have those experiences. And and if you don't, then that's. And because we are impoverished in our way of love, right? That we have not received love or been able to give love. And so if we want to understand, and, and by the way, the, you know, you can make a fine argument that there is no love, such thing as a love in the universe uh, filled with scarcity and, you know, um, Darwinian reality. Fine. But I would venture to say, if you care about yourself, you know, you, I, I, I think you want to consider the possibility of love ex- existing. If you haven't experienced it, that's understandable. But, but you know, the possibility of love, uh, as long as that is a slight possibility, then, then it's worth it to pursue that. And that is why the arts are fundamentally um, the way human beings have created imagination to, you know, map this terrain for love. That's amazing. Yeah, you're, you're speaking to my soul right now <laughs> because uh, I am uh, like, honestly, like talking about like the, like part of the journey that I've probably been on about the last two years or so, because I'm very uh, naturally wired towards productivity and that pragmatism that you were talking about and learning that it's okay to do things just because you enjoy them. 
Right. Yes, right. For the sake of enjoyment and, uh, you know, again, wasting time, you know, that might not be purposeful, uh, but but there is something to it. Um, it's not it's not just narcissistic, you know, uh, selfishness. Um, there, there's something about that that is deeply human. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, can you even, like, I'm just making the connection between probably how that impacts our self-care as yes. well. I was going to say, can you just speak to that? Sure. It's deeply connected to spiritual formation, uh, uh, character formation. It's uh, Aesthetic is part of a brain, really, that, you know, the neurons uh, are proven to act differently when you're faced with beauty or listening to music or um, and it tends to connect in uh, generative ways rather than reductive ways. So it tends to expand how, how the brain can function. It, it's not isolated. It's, it's, it, it kind of expands into the totality of, you know, what we are using our brains for. And so you are more alive. Um, and so the training that faculty is, is so important because you're not only training your brain, training your senses, right? So you're training your eyes, you're training your, you know, ears, and 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 that that can give you uh, a way. You know, when we uh, encounter some some violence in the world, we say, "Well, that was senseless," and that's precisely right. You know, it's 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 the loss of our sensory mm. perceptions that that's why it seems so senseless. Um, and so we need to, uh, you know, develop a way where we can grow in a, uh, you know, sense, sense for uh, appreciation of ourselves and our neighbors, our world. Um, and so that that's part of why, um, you know, the, the, the arts are not just fluff, you know, peripheral something that that's that you know it's nice to have but you know it's it, it's not the most important thing um it is not useful <laughs> when you on the bottom of the day bottom line is that you know what i do as an artist uh, the paintings are not meant to be useful that is precisely why it's essential wow that's powerful just as I uh, was preparing for our conversation today, I was uh, looking at the back of your book and I came aqua- across across uh, this quote that I would just love uh, to read to you and uh, just have you expound upon it because it really stood out to me. It's And it was, unless we're making, we cannot know the depth of God's being and God's grace permeating our lives. Can you expound because I was just reading that. I was like, holy cow, this is just so powerful. Yeah, so I I connect that to the Eucharist in the book. And uh, my friend Andy Crouch was speaking and he was talking about how it's amazing that God created the Eucharist, the central aspect of Christianity, as some, you know, bread and wine, right? The the two things that are perhaps the hardest to make, uh, you know, it takes a lot of training to make good bread and even more training to make good wine. Um, And why would God wait until we make to show up, uh, to communicate to us? And there's some deep mystery there, um, but I think that's true universally of how God uh, intends for us. Uh, God created us to be creative. God created us to be makers. The maker, you know, made makers, mini makers. And and we are to not only mimic God, but God has also given us um, the authority to name experiences and name what is in front of us with our hands, really. So, you know, the, the, the idea is that when we start to exercise that role as makers, um, God is honored. Uh, the maker is honored. And, and the invitation to the feast, invitation to co-create into the new new world, the new reality, is is something that God is always, you know, uh, uh, desiring for us to be part of. Um, but we have made, uh, you know, truth and gospel 
transmission into uh, you know information package um, and you know checklists of things that we're supposed to send to. Um, uh, you know that's fine, but that's really at the end of this journey of making and co-creating into the new that God has invited us into. I don't fully understand all of this. You know, there's mystery to this, but uh, that's the beauty of it is that you don't have to understand fully rationally in order to partake in this mystery and in order to enjoy God and enjoy God forever. We we can do that by starting to uh, make something of our own uh, in response to God's uh, creation. What have you learned about God through your own making process? The God is a maker, and 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 uh, God is delighted in in our making. Uh, making is hard, you know. It's 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 very hard. Um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's ten thousand hours, right? To uh, not only master something, but to be an expert in something, and that. It's, it's so true. And, and, you know, it's because of those 10,000 hours that bread and wine can be made. And making is not easy. It, it's one of the hardest things to do as human beings, but, but it's the most rewarding. And, and I, I am, you know, I, I've experienced God's presence in my studio uh, uh, so often that, um, you know, I can say that um, that, that is the most sacred place where you can encounter with the creator God and the spirit uh, is, is delighted when, when we are in that process too. Mm-hmm. I have another quote that I want to read you. And this is, okay. I don't think this is necessarily from the book, but, um, but you have this quote and it's that we have a language that celebrates waywardness, but we don't have a cultural language to bring people back home. Can you just expound on that? Yeah, so I, I said that in an interview when I was doing the Four Holy Gospels uh, illumination um, in 2011. And, you know, I was asked, like, what are you basically, what are you doing with this illumination? You know, do we need illumination to understand the Bible? No, but, the, you know, it. Uh, what I was doing was I was hoping that my art in general, not just that project, but would uh, be an invitation to those uh, perhaps who are wrestling with faith or have, have you know, have no background in, in uh, faith as we know it, um, or even may perhaps, you know, uh, grew up in a church but uh, um, has decided that, you know, they're atheists or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're welcomed in, into the table, into, the, into this conversation into this table um and you know we have made um a lot of you know uh decisions as as a church to exclude people mm-hmm. um and you know there are reasons for that uh you know to protect the sheep and so forth but uh, you know we haven't done much to uh you know uh, go with jesus Mm-hmm. to find lost sheep out there. Um, and as, a, as an artist, I know I know that one that gets lost, right? That's me. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I know how that feels. And I know the Savior who would risk, you know, uh, risk the other lives to, to make sure that I, I was, you know, I, I was protected and take, you know, I, I, I you know, my, my Savior, come and um, receive me. So, so that, that was uh, a way for me to talk about culture care, you know, which is another book that I wrote about caring for culture rather than fighting culture wars. Um, you know, war is sometimes necessary. I understand that, but, but we're um, not doing ourselves favor by demonizing uh, the other side that doesn't agree with us when in fact there's so much in common that we have with our neighbors and so much struggles that especially in terms of making uh, yeah. that we can share in and and to create abundance uh, in the world so I, I i think that's part of my heart is to 
um, you know, be with Jesus who go outside of the tribal zones, meander into the pasture lands so that uh, his sheep can find nourishment, cultural nourishment, to be mm-hmm. fed, um, to to be able to, and and that's that's the irony of this. Unless you do that, you will not only lose sheep, but they will die um, because they lack nutrients to be able to fight. Um, you know their the the game, the survival game, um, yeah. and and that's that's proven in you know for instance in at the in in the Holocaust, survivors they tell us many stories of. Uh, people surviving because they had theater, because they had humor, because they had, you know, things that are not essential, uh, it seems, you know, it's not just food. It's not just, you know, uh, warmth that keeps us alive. It's, 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 it's what gives us hope, um, which is part of making is, um, is the act of, you know, uh, finding ourselves as human beings again. Yeah. So I think even going back to what you were saying earlier, there's something about the arts in the process of making that just invites people into the conversation that you're having. And uh, what what I would just love to ask you about is, uh, because I, I don't feel like the church is necessarily great whenever it comes to tapping fully into the potential whenever it comes to the arts. And for churches who are for pastors or people who are involved in a church right now who are listening, they're like, I'm, I'm resonating so strongly with what yeah. you're saying, but I'm not sure how to do it. What would you say to them? Yeah, so I, I, I've had these Zoom sessions with pastors of late. Uh, you know, by the way, pastors are struggling because of uh, the shutdown and, and uh, we want to care for them. We want to care for the shepherds right now. Um, but, you know, and I, I said, you know, um, I'll give you an example. Just recently, I, I was leading an adult education class at my, my church over Zoom and remote uh, class. And I, I decided instead of lecturing or, you know, presenting a PowerPoint, I, um, I said, you know, the beauty of being in this Zoom sessions is that everybody's at their home, right, on Sunday morning. So I said, you know, just pick one object that one object that you love, and let's just bring it into a session and talk about them. Right? And incredible things happen when you do this. I call it show and tell, you know, <laughs> and and um, you know, just pick something that that's meaningful to you. You know, I I've been doing these uh, kintsugi. Uh, with uh, kintsugi is this venerable tradition, uh, Japanese tradition of mending broken ceramics with Japan lacquer and gold, so that the end uh, product is is more valuable than when you started with before it broke. Um, and and so I have these. This is my. This belonged to my mother, and there's a little chip here, and I'm gonna be mending this uh, with the kintsugi set that we have been. Uh, uh, providing people uh, to, to try and uh, do Kintsugi themselves uh, as a mean, means to find healing in a broken, fractured time and, and to deal with our own fractures. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a process of uh, therapy, I suppose. Um, but, you know, and, and I, I just talked about, you know, um, my mother passed away two, three years ago, but, you know, she left all these broken Balls. Why? Why was she, she had a bag full of them, and why would she do that? You know, uh, we we usually throw them away. Um, I think it was a message to me, you know, an artist that you know here's here's something for you to uh, first of all, you know, remember uh, me, um, you know, my mother uh, saying that to me, um, but also it's 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 kind of a fractured things are uh, the entry point into the new right and and then you know this uh courageous lady right there's always one that that brings out something you know says heck you know i'm gonna bring out my beloved object and it was a uh this tattered uh stuffed dog um that she begged and begged her parents to 
uh, by her. This was in in, in Ireland, and um, she she was she grew up in a poor home, and they couldn't afford anything. But she kept on begging them to buy this stuffed animal that wasn't in a store. It was in a kind of like a farmer's market where this this uh, grandmother was making these animals, and so. She finally uh, got the dog and um, she showed us the, the tail because the tail was uh, chewed off. Mm-hmm. And it was because she chewed on the tail uh, every night to go to sleep. Right? And she said, I, about five years ago, I, I, I was convinced I should throw this away. This is, you know, childish, you know, like, and, and I just couldn't do it. And when you said show and tell, I, I, I thought of it immediately. So the question is, why did she think of the dog, right, <laughs> immediately, right? So th- th- there's something about that dog that reminded her of herself, what, how she grew up. And in this time of great struggle that we're facing now, what is the most important thing that we remember? What is the important, most important object that we have in our home? I bet it's, it would be surprising. You know, if we did that with uh, anybody and, you know, and, and I, 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 I'm going to do the second uh, um, session uh, coming up because you just don't have enough time mm-hmm. to cover uh, everybody's, uh, you know, and, and uh, people are wanting to share. And, and the beautiful thing is when they're sharing, they, you get to see their home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and, and so it, it's like if you're a pastor, this is a golden opportunity. You're never going to have this if you do a Sunday school at church. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and you, you actually literally see through the uh, lens of a computer things that, you know, you notice, right, that, that are not uh, noticed by that person. You know, things that they have taken granted, you know, for granted. Uh, there's this candlestick. There's this clock. There's this painting. There is this window and you know the the curtain that is uh, that is very unique or something like that you you, you know when once you start paying attention to them it's, it's it's like oh my goodness you know this person that i by the way this person who brought the stuffed dog um i have greeted for last five years an eight o'clock service at my church every time i didn't know her name mm. right now, now you know uh, she she's a person, you know. Yeah. With, you know this this girl, little girl that that uh, Kathy that 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 wanted that dog so badly and has kept it, and she she's in her seventies now, right? And and so so that you know object reveals something about her that I would have never known. I didn't even know her name. Right. And isn't that the typical of how we do church? You know, we go listen to a sermon, you know, and go home. Mm-hmm. But but there's sacred stories all around us, you know, and, and there are entry points all around us. Um, we, we just have to reimagine perhaps how we do church. Um, but but the cues are everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, and and hopefully, you know, this this time of shutdown, we we can create new pathways, and and uh, when we get back together, we can continue to do do that in person. You know, I, I would love to see that dog in person and hold it with my hands, because that that connects us in a new way, right? And and that's what I mean by new creation is, you know, it's not just um, so creating something new, you know, let's say it, it's about discovering the sacredness of what, who we are, what we, uh, have been through the objects, even that we carry with us. And, and we are able to, um, bring it to light and, and the Holy spirit kind of floods into that moment. I think, you know, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, to open us up, uh, to each other so that we can be connected more deeply. Yeah. And uh, what you're saying has me thinking of something that I've been thinking about recently. And it's about, and I would just love uh, your take on kind of my theory is uh, the importance of us as we grow older to remember the things that brought us joy whenever, whenever we were kids. 
That's right. And we're all artists when when we are, you know, uh, in, in kindergarten, you know, and and so, somewhere in third grade, you know, we, we were told we're not artists, you know, and we, we, we can't. We, you're supposed to do it this way. And we believe them. And that's 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 uh, tragic. Uh, you know, happenstance because I believe all of us has has that dog. You know, all of us yeah. has that childhood, uh, and and that's that's what's sacred uh, inside, right? That's that's hidden, and we we hide them, and we do our best to survive. Um, you know, but but really, at the end of the day, there's a connection between that that person inside, right? That that once once this you know, curious, imaginative creature that we were. And, and art, music, theater, they, they all point us back to that, right? To, to at least wrestle with that. We, we will never be innocent again, but we, we can be, you know, uh, have this sophisticated innocence, <laughs> you know, that, that allows us to be both in, you know, a uh, fully grown person, but also a child um, that that is uh, preserved. Mm-hmm. What well, one of the things that I want to ask you about is what have you learned about creating uh, works of art or even works of art that have endured for like beyond the artist's lifetime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's amazing um, that the human beings have a capacity to honor uh enduring art and beauty um and um you know it's it's really like a hide mentality or something that comes to be when it comes to beauty because there is this intensity about them and and it's a kind of a universal trait you know it doesn't matter what culture um you you tend to gravitate towards something um that is beautifully universal, um, even though there's there's certain uh, small discrepancies here and there, and and I I think that um, makes en- enduring art um, very sacred to me. Um, you know, it may not be done in a sacred way, but there is something about a Mona Lisa that speak speaks generatively today you know hundreds of years later and uh, van gogh's irises or you know these these tend to um continue to speak you know um many many years after the artist has passed and and you know that is not only remarkable but it it points to um the uniqueness of each person to be able to create indelible images or indelible something into the world. And even if it's something that nobody will notice, um, I believe, and that this is my argument in the book, um, perhaps it's it's in the ephemeral things, you know, that that is more endearing. Uh, like Christ's tears in John 11, right? That, 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 that's gone, evaporated. Yeah. But it, when you really think about it, it's still with us, right? Because it's evaporated into the air. Um, and I, I believe that because Christ is Christ, um, the tears have multiplied, you know, <laughs> and um, we are sensing God's compassion when we are compassionate, when we are able to see the other um, as valuable. And so that kind of universality is something that enduring works of art also has. Um, and so it, it, and you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. It, it can also be an ephemeral thing that, that allows us to uh, appreciate uh, something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Other thing, as you were talking, it got me thinking about uh, that. I would just love, your thoughts on is the relationship between uh, works of art and pain as well. Yeah. So my last book was called Silence and Beauty, and it had to do with uh, book Silence by Shusakendo, a Japanese master uh, who wrote this book and uh, came out in 1960s. But um, then Martin Scorsese made a film 
uh, Osiris, and um, and and it's it's probably the most uh, you know challenging, uh, traumatic story you you ever read, and yet um, yet the pain uh, and suffering points to the, the, the beauty that, um, so I wrote a book called Silence and Beauty, explaining how Japanese beauty is not this perfection, cosmetic beauty, but it, it is about suffering and pain and loss and lament. Uh, it's connected with death, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so the Japanese uh, poetry is full of these very sophisticated notion of how we can, we can find the uh, uh, enduring uh, reality through the ephemeral uh, and, and so forth. And, and so I, exp- I could explore that in my book. In this book, uh, Theology of Making, Art and Faith, um, I, you know, I spend all, actually the entire book is, uh, is focused on John 11. I don't talk about John 11 until the end, but, but that's the pinhole through which I, I focus on. And that is when uh, Jesus weeps, wastes mm-hmm. his time weeping with Mary in the hills of Bethany. And why would he waste his time? Because uh, all he had to do was take Mary by the hand and, and resurrect Lazarus and show forth his power and the purpose right for him to be there um you know but instead of being efficient instead of being you know just just utility minded yeah. jesus uh, stopped to weep with mary as she was angry she was upset she she didn't understand why jesus came late um and and that that is to me the most profound passage you know to, towards jesus wept john 1135 and uh so um i Talk about pain through Christ's tears. Um, I uh, I think it's the, one of the deepest ways that you can see God's love, um, and and happens to be one of the passages that actually can help us understand artists <laughs> uh, yeah. and uh, why we do the things that are you know extravagant when the you know scarcity there are people dying today right mm-hmm. why did frangelico paint when at the height of a black plague or one third of the population of europe dying around him uh why did shakespeare write and create a whole theater outside of london because they couldn't build it inside london because of the plague mm-hmm. right all these things like like we we want to think about and and the things that are enduring has come out of those traumatic times. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, John 11, 35, John, John 11, John 12 passages really point us to a certain reality, what I call Lazarus culture, where it is not about winning or performing. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it is about resting actually reclining at the table of jesus um because that's really at the end of the day all that matters um and and our job is is to usher in the new creation by trusting as mary did that this is the anointed king that i must do my best to anoint bring your best Uh, so she brought her wedding nod to anoint Jesus with um, in response to Lazarus being resurrected and her understanding of um, this king must be anointed before he is to be buried. Uh, we don't know how he got, she was able to understand it before the disciples, but she did. And that's what an artist can do. They can intuit something that rest of the world has, you know, has kind of lost touch with. Yeah. One, one final question that I have, and we were, uh, you, we were talking about it earlier about how this idea is uh, something that you might want to explore in the future yeah. and other stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, what didn't make the book that you're excited to continue to explore about and learn about? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this. I, I wrote, wrote a whole chapter on theology of humor, uh, you know, and, um, uh, I, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, extravagance of uh, not just humor, but 
um, you know, different aspects of humanity and natural world. Um, there's just things that you can't explain with Darwinian evolution uh, that we we can observe today in the world, and and you know they're they're everywhere, um, and this connection between creation care and culture care, um, why why is it theologically uh, invaluable? to understand nature as a theological text, as much as the Bible, right? So they're, they're both, uh, in a way, how God speaks to us. Um, there, there are many um, details of passages of, of the Bible that I, I, I wasn't able to go into with this book um, that, you know, I spent hours and hours uh, trying to figure out. And, and it, actually, there are many... Uh, places where theologians tend to disagree that I think theology making can help um, because the theology making comes from the perspective of creation and new creation. So even if you disagree on these points, um, you can agree on, on what that passage is helping us to create uh, into the world. So there, there's much more to be said about that. Um, you know, you can you can do a, a whole bunch of books on that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know that people are going to want to pick up the book and continue to learn and follow you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Well, um, I'm on social media, um, everything from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook to YouTube, and and I may, who knows, I may start a Twitch channel. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, um, so uh, I'm easy to reach. Um, I I have a website, my full name Makoto Fujimura.com, um, which is being revamped, and uh, uh, it's going to be uh, more um, way for people to, and also the other part is I co-founded Kintsugi Academy uh, and you can follow us on Academy Kintsugi at uh, Instagram or Twitter um, and we have culture care um, uh, newsletters and we have uh, multiple ways and Kintsugi Academy is after the shutdown is over we're doing it remotely training leaders right now but we we will be able to gather again uh, just learning Kintsugi together and that, that really helps us to listen to each other's stories, find a way for our hands to get busy learning and knowing through that uh, by mending the fractures, not just to fix, but meant to make new. And so it's, it's literally a new theology creation, uh, a new creation theology um, in, in by doing Kintsugi. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And thanks for just doing the work as well and just putting out this incredible book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this time, Peter. It was great having Mikado back on, uh, not back on the podcast, but it was great having him on the podcast. And uh, I highly encourage you to go pick up the book. It's great. I absolutely love uh, some of the concepts that we got to talk about here today. And so go pick up the book, go follow him as well. Uh, just some of the links that he mentioned and uh, thank you. Thank you for listening today. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss any episodes of the learner's corner is by subscribing to our podcast. I'm whatever podcast player uh, you may use or um, whatever podcast uh, listening thing that you have on, uh, you know, on your phone or however you may listen. I was just talking uh, with somebody the other day and telling me about listening to podcasts on their Apple TV. And so if you listen that way, great. I'm just super excited that you've decided to join us uh, today and subscribe and leave a rating and write a review because it really does help the podcast. Sam and Garrett, thanks so much for all the work that you do to help make the podcast awesome as well. Thankful for the both of you. And um, yeah, we got a great year in store for the Learner's Corner come up and super excited about that. So until next time, keep learning and keep growing.